On Thursday evening, we took time to stand at the foot of the cross and we heard the song sung, heard and saw the song sorts, the, the song sung, Were You There When They Crucified My Lord? And we saw the emotion and we saw the tear running down the cheek of the man singing that song. And I asked the question, what moves you in your heart? What touches you in such a way that a tear might run down your cheek? Or that you may feel something in your deepest gut, as it were. You might feel some emotion of some deep kind. Is it because you have lacked wisdom or are struggling to find wisdom in one way or another? That maybe in the past you've made some kind of foolish decision and you still suffer from that decision? Or perhaps you need some kind of special wisdom for something in the future, a decision you need to make, or even wisdom about who you are as a person, who am I really? Or is it because you're experiencing some kind of injustice? Perhaps you're, subs- you're suffering from an injustice committed against you in the past. Or maybe even now you're, you're being unjustly treated at home, at work, or somewhere else. Or you're deeply impacted by the injustices you see in our society. This week, I believe it was Thursday, I saw the video of the man who was shot in the back of the head on a normal front lawn on a normal street in a normal suburb of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Or maybe the scenes of the war in Ukraine or wherever it is that come across your screen. Or maybe you are touched with emotion when you struggle to know what the purpose of your life is. Why should I get up in the morning? Do questions of meaning deeply impact you? Or perhaps you may even feel that your life is kind of meaningless in the light of some great loss of whatever kind. Or perhaps you feel that you're not free, that you're caught in your history, where your family came from, what and who they were and are, the way your parents treated you, what's been done to you or with you. Perhaps you're struggling with a character, what you might call a character fault that you just can't, can't get away from. Perhaps you're stuck in an addiction. Perhaps you're struggling with some disease or weakness that just won't relent. What touches you deeply? What awakens you in the night? What causes a tear to run down your cheek? And on Thursday evening, we read from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians, verse chapter 13, the verses 3 and 4. 
where Paul writes, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. So Paul lays out for the church in Corinth these two things that he considers to be of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, and that he was raised again on the third day. And if you're here on Thursday night, you remember we went back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we read together this verse, Because of him... You are in Christ Jesus, and Paul, this is in the context of the crucifixion. So we're crucified with Christ, who became to us wisdom, righteousness, and you've heard me say it now many times, whenever you see the word righteousness in the Bible, you need to think of the word justice. That's the concept that's behind it primarily. Christ became to us wisdom from God, Righteousness, sanctification, which means being set apart for a special purpose. There's the purpose idea. And redemption. And the word here for redemption is the word for ransom. It's for paying a price in order to liberate someone. So in Christ, we receive his wisdom his justice, his purpose, and his liberation. That's what happened on the cross, this great exchange, where our hopelessness got put on him, and his life and wisdom and purpose became ours. But in the days since Thursday and since Friday... Jesus has been in the tomb. The New Testament counts that as three days. The tomb is sealed. Guards have been placed before it. Everything possible has been done to ensure that, as Matthew puts it, Jesus' disciples do not steal the body, tell the people that he's risen from the dead, so that the last fraud will be worse than the first. Jesus is dead as a doornail. The disciples gathered together in deep grief and mourning. Everything was lost. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And now besides all this, all this loss, this crucifixion, this death, it's been three days Cleopas and his wife, as they walked from Jerusalem to Emmaus on that Sunday morning. We have no hope anymore. Where are we ever going to find wisdom? Where are we ever going to find justice? Where are we ever going to find purpose? And where are we ever going to find freedom? But early, on Sunday morning before dawn, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, 
and Salome, they came to see the tomb and anoint the body. They saw an angel, or maybe it was two. The stone was rolled back, and they looked in the tomb, and Jesus was not there. Mark tells us that the women fled, for trembling and astonishment had overtaken them. They were so afraid that for a while they said nothing to anyone. When Peter and John heard the news, they came running to see the tomb. It was empty. The grave cloths folded neatly in the place where the body had been. And they believed. Although the Gospels tell us that some disciples doubted. And so Paul writes this in chapter 15 of Corinthians about the resurrection. A whole chapter on the resurrection is worth reading if you have a chance, but it's not an easy read. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. As in Adam all die. Christ was killed. Christ was put on that cross, was nailed to that tree, and was killed by sin by the systemic sin of our society, by the systemic sin of empire, by the sin of injustice, by the sin of exploitation, by the sin of greed, by the sin of pride, by the sin of materialism, by the sin of racism, by the sin of of militarism, but also by your sin and my sin and the sin of each one of us as individuals. And he took those sins into the grave with him. And then he burst out of the grave. So as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. And for those of you who with me over the last few years are counting the alls, here's another one. He is the first fruits, as Paul puts it. And one of my favorite theologians, N.T. Wright, puts it this way. Paul's argument runs as follows. I find this just a fantastic way of putting it. What the Creator God did for Jesus in raising him from the dead is both the model and the means of what he will do for all Jesus' people. It's the model. You can see it happening. Jesus takes upon himself all that on that cross all the sin of the world, and it breaks him, and it crushes him, and it beats him, and it, and it, it destroys him. 
And you could see that happening. You could watch it. The people could, the people could stand around and see it. Just as people could see the resurrection, he was actually alive. They heard his voice. They saw him. They ate with him. They walked with him. They talked with him. They touched him. The scars were there. All of that happened. That was the model But also because we're in Christ, we go with him. The sin, whether it's systemic or individual, dies with him. And we get raised to new life. Another quote by Wright. For Paul... The point of the resurrection is not simply that the Creator God has done something remarkable for one solitary individual, as people today sometimes imagine the supposed thrust of the Easter proclamation. In other words, Jesus' resurrection doesn't only mean or simply mean that I get to go to heaven when I die. That's actually not the central thought of it. But that, in and through the resurrection, the present age, the age in which we live in today, the age in which there's very little wisdom, the age in which there's very little justice, the age in which there's very little purpose, the age in which there's very little freedom, has been invaded by the age to come. These two ages come together. And wisdom breaks in. And justice breaks in. And purpose breaks in. And liberation breaks in. The present age has been invaded by the age to come. The time of restoration, of return, of covenant renewal, and of forgiveness. And then he goes on. An event has occurred. An event has occurred as a result of which the world is a different place. The world is a different place because of what happened on that Sunday morning. And human beings have the new possibility to become a different kind of people. The world is a different place. And we have the possibility to become a different kind of people. We've been talking uh, over the last couple of months about the book of Deuteronomy. And in the book of Deuteronomy, we've been talking about what this different kind of people looks like. And maybe some of it you remember. One of the things it means that we're living in the, in the old Latin phrase, in the imago dei, the, 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 the image of, not the, no, quorum deo. I wrote the wrong thing down in my notes. Quorum deo, deo, 
before the face of God. Remember we talked about that? The first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me, means that God is here and we walk before his face wherever we go. Being a different kind of people means that we think of community rather than just the individual. That we're part of this web of belonging, as Diana uh, Butler-Bast calls it. That no one of us is free until all of us are free. That my life and well-being is bound up with yours and with everyone's. That as someone has said, when the butterfly flaps his wings, the world changes. We're bound up with each other. That everyone is included in in this community that we're building. That no one's left behind. Remember in Deuteronomy, we talked a couple times about a very clear principle of distribution of wealth. With your tithe. And with how you treat those to whom you've loaned money. No one gets left behind. In fact, if you're poor, you get special attention and special assistance. And because we're a different kind of people, we care for our creation. We are one with our creation. We don't exploit We don't extract. We don't take and use with no consideration for what we're leaving behind. And we don't do that in the area of labor, of environment, of finances, the carbon fossil industries, food production, environmental issues. Because we're all part of this great web. We're different people now. We operate differently. We think differently. We look differently. We see things differently. We make different choices. And then you remember our last uh, sermon on Deuteronomy. We talked about this actually being kind of the central theme of the book. That we empty ourselves just as Christ emptied himself. As Philippians 2 said, Christ leaves behind the glory that was due him and emptied himself and became a servant even unto death. So that when he would come out of the tomb and take his place on the throne as king of the world, every knee, there's the every again, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Lord. The world is a different place because Jesus rose again. And we are different people. And I've for years now found it so fascinating that this chapter of 1 Corinthians 15, this great chapter on the resurrection that really... uh, 
while N.T. Wright, who I've quoted here, wrote about a 600-page book on it. It's as deep in the theology and the theory as you want to go, but it ends with this verse. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, after all this theology and all this theory and all this depth of thinking, Paul concludes by saying, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Be steadfast, immovable, abound in the work of the Lord. We have the possibility, says Wright, to become a different kind of people. Because our labor is not in vain. Why? Because now the world is a different place. The world is a different place because Christ rose from the dead. Don't misunderstand me. This is not a promise of success necessarily. It's not a problem that It's not a promise that every problem will be solved, that every death will be turned to life, that every battle will be beaten into peace, that every sorrow will be transformed into joy, that every exploitation will be reversed. But it's a promise that the living Jesus, who has in every way suffered and died, goes with you with us and with all of creation because he really did rise again out of that tomb. And I find it fascinating and encouraging. You probably know the story of Thomas. Thomas was one of the 12 disciples and he didn't believe in the beginning. It took him a week or so. And the disciples did not exclude him. They didn't say, Thomas, you're not, you, you don't, we, we saw it. We're telling you, you don't believe. Our next upper room meeting, you can't come. <laughs> he was right there with the disciples. This community kept him in and took care of him. And together, because now they knew the world is a different place and we can be different kind of people. They kept Thomas in. And finally Jesus came to Thomas. And Thomas got down on his knees and said, My Lord and my God, now I know where to find wisdom. Now I know where to find justice. Now I know where to find purpose. And now I know where my liberation is. And I know that this Jesus will go with me for the rest of my life, whatever happens. And there is nothing that will separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Absolutely nothing. So where's your belief today? 
Where are you finding your purpose? Where are you finding your wisdom? Where are you finding your justice? Where are you finding your liberation? And I want to encourage you, wherever you are, to consider that this Jesus who died and who rose again might be the person who could walk with you through your life and that in him you will find not just what you need, but what we all need.